I want to talk to you today about the songs of David. When we talked about Moses, we have a song. He may have sang more songs, but, you know, that's the one song that he was known for, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. And we talked about uh, Barak and Deborah's song. But David has songs, many songs. And um, so we're going to talk about them today. Psalm 135 13, he says, Thy name, O Lord, endureth forever, and thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. You know, we're talking about this being the Memorial Day weekend. And um, the Lord says that he is a memorial to us through all generations. And isn't that awesome? Doesn't change. He's always there. David was exceedingly special to God. And I've preached on David much in the church, so I um, know that sometimes I'm redundant when it comes to David. But uh, I, I love David, and his his psalms have blessed me and seen me through the dark hours of my life. And I have a tendency to preach on him more than most. But anyhow, he was exceedingly special to God, and that's noteworthy. Why do you think he was special to God? Because uh, there are many answers to this question, but God said he is a man after my own heart. Multitudes and millions of people in the earth, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, you know, Jeremiah, Isaiah, the prophets, of all the wonderful forefathers that we have in Christianity, yet out of all of those, one was like his heart, and that was David. And so there's many reasons why no doubt that David was unique uh, to God. But 1 Samuel 13:14 is the account of the end of Saul's reign. King Saul was in charge. God had anointed David to be king during the reign of Saul. And when Saul became mindful of that, Saul began to persecute David. But it's a long history there. David used to go and play his music for him. David wasn't just a songster or a psalmist, but he was a musician. And he loved music. He, he made many instruments, as we will see as we go through this. And he loved to have music in the house of God. You know, sometimes we look at the church world, and this is happening today. In all of Christianity today, there are leaders that are looking at their church and saying, what can I do different? You know, how can I make this work? How can I get a bigger church? How, you know, that's what's going on in Christianity today. The face of Christianity is vastly changing. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not, but you can turn the TV on and see churches and things like that. And things things are changing. And so sometimes as a leader, as a pastor, you say, well, how can I, what can I do? You know, and the enemy is in the midst of all that because he wants us to do strange things. He wants us to do worldly things, things to attract the attention of the world. And so, you know, Somebody said to me once, a, a, a pastor of a larger church, he said, what is it that you sing a song and you preach a sermon? How is that a service? How do you know that that's a service? You know, we got to get with the program. And I thought a lot about that, you know. How is it? We have songs. We have praise. We have prayer requests. We have praises. You know, what else can we do to glorify God? 
other than to just offer ourselves willingly unto the Lord. And so as I studied David, it just was, again, uh, a restoration period of time for me as your leader that we're doing the right thing. It's just, it's just singing unto the Lord. It's, it's worshiping God. It's honoring God. It's preaching his word. It's giving praises, thanking God for the things that he does in our life. And, and when we have needs, knowing that we're with the body and we can say, I have a need. You know, Sister Beatty's concerned about her health. And now the whole church can, can come beside her and pray for her. And that's what the church is for. We're here for Jesus and for one another. So we don't have to be anything other than faithful to God. And so when we look at the scripture in 1 Samuel 13:14, here we have the account of Saul's reign and the confirmation that David is holding this unique position with God. It says the Lord sought him, a man after his own heart, And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. And so in the mouth of the witnesses, two or three witnesses, Peter declares in Acts, the 13th chapter, the 22nd verse, and Peter's reminding the people on the day of Pentecost just what is happening. And he says, and he talks there and he says, God removes Saul And he raised up David to be the king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which will fulfill my will. And verse 23 is so important, church. It says, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a savior, Jesus. No wonder that David was special to God because out of him, out of his seed, would come Israel and the Lord Jesus Christ. Israel came through Abraham, Isaac, and and, um, Jacob. But then as we come to David, David had that spiritual influence. Now, what we're looking for in these songs of deliverance is we're looking for the church of Jesus Christ to be delivered of the worldliness and to come into holiness. That doesn't mean the long sleeves and the bun and all that. It doesn't mean outward holiness. It means a holiness of the heart wherein we love God, we honor God, we're faithful to God, we do things for God whether we feel like it or not because he is our commander-in-chief. And... So David was that kind of a man. And one of the greatest things in David's life was music, was the song, was the strings, was the harp. I mean, it's important when you see a great individual in our society, you know, Bach, Chopin, these important individuals that have done great things in their, you know, in their gifts. We want to know, well, what caused that? How did that happen? Uh, In the bulletin today, this great song, the Battle Hymn of the Republic, you know, some lady just wrote it out of her heart because she wanted something better than what what there was. And when we look at these kinds of things, we see that God is a part of music. And sometimes we think, well, is the song service too long? You know, as a leader, you want to know, did we sing too much? Mother's Day, we sang every song in the book. 
you know, and it was great because everyone had a longing to sing a certain song. And so we were free to do that. But the church world is so changed today that they have new songs and the old songs have faded. And the point is, is that we need the old. We need the new. And we need that we need everything that God has for the church. But when we put out one thing and take on another, then we miss out the whole pattern of what God has for us. And David is the greatest picture in the word of God that reveals that music and singing and song and worship is important in the house of God. And sometimes we, I've talked to other pastors and say, oh, we just get two songs and we just get done with it. You know, it's the word. Yes, it is the word. But it also is a song of the Lord that needs to be heard in the hearts of God's people. Because it's the songs of deliverance that helps you when you're not in the church and the preacher's not preaching at you. You know, when you're out in the highways and the byways and the difficulties and the problems. So we're talking about David because... He's a man after God's own heart, and a man after God's own heart has a song. A man after God's own heart loves music in the house of God. Do you know that we have churches today that do not have music in the house of God? Somehow it's wrong to have music in the house of God. I don't know how that happens because the word of God is filled with music. The foundations of this world, when the foundations of this world was laid, the Bible says, the morning stars sang together. There was a song at the very beginning of our world. So God is a singer. I don't know. That's not necessarily scriptural. But he loves music because he set it in motion in his temple and in his house. So first and foremost, we learn about David that he pleased God. He was one who would do God's will. He was anointed to be a king. You know, if that happened to us, you know, we get prophetic words sometimes. And we say the prophetic word says, go ye and do this and that. And we think, well, okay. And then it doesn't happen because whatever, it doesn't happen. But, you know, David didn't look for prophetic words. David was just had a heart that wanted to serve God and honor God and worship God. So one of the things uh, that made David special is that he followed the commandments of the Lord. And the second thing that I see that made him special is the music that he had in his heart. In Psalm 108, verse 1, it's a great psalm, read the whole thing, but the first verse says, oh, this is David, and he says, my heart is fixed. I will sing and I will give praise even with my glory. It's like the glory of his life. He would Whatever glory he had, he would give it unto God. And it's in verse 2, he says, Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises to thee among the nations. Since our message today focuses on the songs of the Lord, we see David over and over again uh, singing songs, writing songs, developing music, making instruments, putting them forth in the temple, in the tabernacle, and appointing singers and musicians to go before the battle. How important is that, church? Every one of us have battles. Every one of us have scrimmages and warfare. And we need to have the song of the Lord. The song of the Lord, it's in like the, it, it, you know, we're d- grafted into the Jewish nation. 
And once they hung up their harps upon the willow tree. And it's kind of like where the Gentiles are today. Their harps are still hanging on the willow tree. And God wants us to come forth with a song in our spirit and and the words of of worship and adoration on our lips. Um, You know, the devil has put into the spirit of many this thought. I can't sing. Do I get an amen? Am I the only one that the devil did it to? And you know what? Because of that, there's singers that don't sing that could sing. Because they think they can't sing because why? We evaluate ourselves by somebody else that sings great. Now, I know I can't sing like Wendy. I can't sing like most in the church. But that doesn't mean I don't have a song, you know. And I tell the church this this morning that we need to have the joyful noise in our spirit. And we need to quit listening to the fact that we can't sing and just sing. And we might be shocked to find that we could sing. I remember Brother Kruger. Do you remember Brother Kruger? We used to come and he would sing the songs for us. And he went all through Bible school. This is many years ago. And we had, we had chapel, we had special things, all that. We never knew he could sing. He didn't know he could sing. But he started to pastor a church, and he didn't have a worship leader, so he was forced to sing. And look, he had a song in him, and he did not even know it. And I believe that's happening all over Christianity today. There's a song in our spirit. And I, I, I believe that God has given us this message that, if nothing else, we will just know that we need a song of the Lord in our spirit and the joy of the Lord. Genesis 4.21 talks to us and tells us that Jubal, this is right after creation, fourth chapter of Genesis, says that Jubal was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. So right there in creation, God brought forth the music. And so... Jubal may have been the first to minister with the harp and the organ, but David came on strong in the music department of worship, and he brought forth the singers and the musician. He appointed them for the church. I just think I'll appoint some singers today. Let's see. I'm going to appoint some men. On Father's Day, we're going to have some men singers in the house of God. You know, David was king. <laughs> David was king. He could do whatever he wanted. Uh, so anyhow, Second Samuel twenty-two forty-seven says this is David. This is where David comes forth. In you know, I thought I'm going to go right to the Psalms and teach that, but no, it started in Second Samuel. And he says, the Lord liveth and blessed be my rock and exalted be the God, the rock of my salvation. He is the tower of salvation and he showeth mercy to his anointed unto David and to his seed forevermore. From that we learn that musicians can be anointed. Now, when we talk about that in the church vernacular, we know we hope the pastor is anointed 
We know that you as members of the church are witnesses of Christ and you're anointed to do that. And now we see that David was anointed in music. And this is so important because we have missed that part. Today we have all kinds of of uh, teachings, you know, prosperity, faith. We have deliverance. We have all kinds of teachings, but I have yet to hear the teachings of music, the teachings of singers, the teachings that motivates the heart to have a song of praise. First Samuel sixteen twenty three. Saul had an evil spirit. How many know that? Saul had an evil spirit. And the Bible tells us there in 1 Samuel 16 that when that evil spirit came upon Saul, he sent for David. And David took the harp and he played with his hand and Saul was refreshed and was well and the evil spirit departed from him. This is powerful, church. If you will have a song of true song of worship and praise and exaltation in your heart, you can drive away that evil spirit that harasses you. Amen? This is important, church. I, I, when I was studying this, I started thinking about my own life and how my mom, you know, could never sing. She, she received that, but she couldn't sing. But it didn't bother her. She sang anyhow. She taught the kindergartners in the church, and you could hear her throughout the church singing her joyful noise. And she would sing with the children all the time she would sing. And at home she would sing. It never bothered her that it wasn't, you know, the most beautiful sound. And I thought on that a lot. And I thought, you know, I, I, I thought I knew the things that my mom had gone through in her life, terrible uh, debilitating things and yet there was still that song and it's like David David had adverse conditions in his life and yet he still sang his song and even when he was overwhelmed in the Psalms he sang I'm overwhelmed I went down to the pit but I remembered the Lord and his song began to well up in his spirit and God delivered him Today, we have deliverance ministers. They come to lay hands on you and to deliver you. The greatest thing that will ever deliver you is the presence of God in your life. And we need that more than we need someone to lay hands on us. And I believe in laying on of hands. But we need to to think that there needs to be a song of deliverance. When you begin to feel overwhelmed at the things that are coming against you, and how many know we have them? Then there needs to be the song. You need to open up the Bible to the book of Psalms and put a tune to it, a hum to it, a noise to it. And render a song of deliverance unto God. Saul was so horrible that when David was playing for him, he took a javelin and threw it at David. But God protected him because the spirit of the Lord was in his song. And so it will drive away evil spirits. Second Chronicles twenty three thirteen. It says, with rejoicing and singing was ordained by David. David ordained singing. He did that under the direction of God because God influenced him to sing. There's an anointing in music. And I love it because I tell my singers that I want them to prepare the way for the word, for the preaching, for the what I'm going to do next. I, I, if, if I don't have a good worship team, then I, I'm 
like this. I'm like this anyhow. And then they sing and they get the presence of the Lord comes in. And God ministers to those that have to deliver the word. It's important, church. David loved the house of the Lord. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I can remember my mama singing that on the way to church. I'm glad the Lord's taking me to his house. You know, he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Here's how he loved the church. First Chronicles 23, 5. He took a thousand porters. Those are people that answer the door. That's Brother Jim back there. He's a porter. He took a thousand of them, Scripture says, and four thousand of them, and they praised the Lord with instruments. Look what the Scripture says. Which I made, said David, to praise therewith. Now, David was a pretty busy man making uh, thousands of instruments. I'm sure he had some instruments makers. But he made instruments and he took thousands. And you notice it's important that he didn't take thousands of, he took his Levi's and he took those others that to do this other places in Scripture. But he took the porters. He took those that was ministering in the house, in the deaconship. Those that were laboring in the house. And he made instruments for them and he caused them to sing. In one place it says he put a thousand in one gate and a thousand in another gate. And they sang back and forth together. Do we need music in our house? We need it. When Solomon finished the temple, Solomon, David's son, God said, David, you can't build the temple because your hands are blood with war. But I will let your son Solomon build my temple. So David laid up all the gold and all the wood and all the silver and everything so that it would be ready for his son to build the temple. And Solomon built the temple. Second Chronicles 5.1. And when they built the temple and they brought in all the treasures into the temple. Consider this. What is a treasure in the house of God? Well, this passage of Scripture says they brought in David's instruments as treasures of the house of the Lord. So, music, singing, song, writing songs. We don't give much, the church world doesn't give a lot of attention to that. But these are things that God has anointed, God has set in motion that his people might have what? Deliverance. Deliverance. Music, singing, dancing. You know, the ministers get here and they hop out in the aisle and we watch them. It's fun to watch them. You know, Sarah gets out in the aisle here every once in a while and does a little do or whatever you call it. You know, but it's wonderful because it pleases the Lord. And singing and dancing and music and worship and flag waving and shouting and crying. It's all part of worshiping God in an intimate way. How you feel in your spirit. And all these are all expressions of love for God. Everything going before and coming together is deliverance to God's people. Well, you're in really serious trouble because, see, I got an extra sheet here. Oh, Jesus, help me. Over and over in David's songs, 
in the and especially in the Psalms, he declares, "For the Lord is good; His mercy is everlasting." Psalm 105. His truth endureth to all generations. Now, why do you think he sang so much about enduring? Because he had to endure. You know, he had to endure. He, he, was, he was anointed to be king. And he's in a cave. And they're running, he's running for his life. And he has no water. And he wishes he had some water. And so the men, they, they take chance at, at their own life to get him water. And when they brought him water, he was so much in love with God that he just offered it as a sacrifice. You know, and then David, then Saul came through in the dark. And he could have killed him because he was the enemy. That instead he just clipped off a little bit of his skirt and sent it to him and said, you know, God protected you. He endured. In church, we need to endure because the days are upon us. You know the days are upon us. It's harder today than it's ever been. And endurance is going to be our lot to endure. And Psalm 5, he says, he says his truth endureth. Psalm 106 says, His mercy endureth. If you ever read the Psalms, there's one Psalm that says, His mercy endureth forever, His mercy endureth forever, His mercy endureth forever. And all he could say is, His mercy endureth forever. Psalm 111.3, it says that the righteous endure forever. Now that's great, isn't it? Psalm 111.3, His work is honorable and glorious. What is His work, church? salvation eternal life his work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever psalm 117:2 the truth of the lord endureth forever you know people promise things and they don't keep their promises relationships are broken after vows are made but the lord his truth, his promise endureth forever. And you will make it through your trial. And you will make it through your tribulation. And you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And you will inherit eternal life because his truth endureth forever. David declared the name of the Lord as a memorial. We read that today in Psalm 135:13. It says, The name of the Lord endureth forever. And thy memorial, O Lord, throughout what? All generations. Somebody said, well, that's all good in the Old Testament. That was all good for Israel. You know, but how does that affect me? Well, the word of the Lord says, all generations. We are affected by the song of the Lord this very moment. As we watch in the scriptures, we see David is anointed. We see his circumstances. We see he endures. The fellows that are looking for jobs just endure. You know, just endure till God makes a way. That's what we have to do. In 2 Samuel 23, David was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. So my question when I open the message today is why is David a man after God's own heart? Well, because he obeyed the will of God. 
because he sang the songs of God, because he knew that he could endure with God. Even in his personal battles, he knew he could endure. How many know he had personal ones? Not just the warfare, but he had a few personal ones. He made a few mistakes, but he never lost sight of God's mercy and God's grace. He talks about the horn of our salvation. The ministers come and they holler and they hip and they blow their trumpets and they do all these wild things, you know. But the horn of our salvation is strength. Strength. We need to speak our strength. We need to know that our strength is in the Lord. Mostly what we hear today is, I'm tired. And we are tired because that's the work of the enemy to wear us out. But God is our strength and our help. And the saints of the Old Testament knew that he was their rock. You know, uh, they sang of his rock. Uh, Hannah sang, there's no God like my rock. You know, Deborah sang about the rock. David sings over and over and over, he's my rock. And guess what? We know who the rock is, don't we? David had never met the rock. David knew that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that that rock was there. And the scripture tells us that the rock that they drank of is that same rock that we partake of today. Scripture tells us that in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul speaking about it, and he said they all drank. He's speaking about the Israelites and all their problems. And he says they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So, again, we see why David's special to God, because he had inroads into the Spirit of God. He never knew Christ, but he knew there was a Savior. He knew that in God there would be salvation. It's important, church. You know, I think what I want to say the most to you today is that David had a relationship with God. And it wasn't dictated by his circumstances. It was in his heart to love God no matter the circumstance. And he was, he was comforted by knowing that the rock was his foundation. He said in Psalm 28, he said, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. David knew the Lord was his strength. David knew the Lord was his covering. David knew that his heart needed to rejoice in God. He praised God with a song. He praised God with willingness. He praised God with faithfulness. He suffered rejection. He suffered persecution. David endured hardships and he ran for his life. But he always had a song of praise within his heart. And even when he was overwhelmed, he had a song. Oh, church, saints of the living God, we need this song of endurance in our life today. You will hear the phrases over and over in the Psalms. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. 
I encourage you to read uh, Proverbs 1 and the first five Psalms. And then Proverbs 2 and the next five Psalms. If you would develop this mode of worship in your personal life, a psalm, a, a proverb, and five psalms. One proverb, five psalms. You'll read through all the psalms. You'll read through all the proverbs. And guess what you're bringing into your spirit? Wisdom and worship. And we learned that a long time ago in Bible college, and it has been the strength of my life. It's so important. Uh, Denny's holding up the reading through the the Bible, and we, uh, sorry we didn't have that for the last time, but we caught up. All right, I'm coming to a close. 2 Samuel 22, 1 through 3. This is, I read before, and this is where it all began. David spake unto the Lord the words of this song. And he said, the Lord is my rock. If I could sing, I'd be singing this to you right now. Who can sing? Wendy, sing this for me. It's Second Samuel 22. Nancy, sing it for me. Betty, sing it for me. Denny, sing it for me. Jason, sing it for me. I'm picking out singers. I'm picking out singers. Second Samuel 22, I think it's like three. The Lord is my rock. See how easy that is? Now listen, go home and shut the bathroom door and try it. You know you know how it is on the farm. They have these little uh, uh, water pumps, and you pump it to get water. You used to go to the farm, and you pump it. I said, Mama, where's the water? And she just keep pumping, honey. Pump, 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 pump. Finally, you get to dribble, and then you get a stream, and then you get the water. And that's the way it is with your song. You know, you have got to start priming your pump and getting your song out. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. It says, the horn of my salvation, the strength of my salvation. You know, we have saved people that are not very strong. Maybe if they would develop a song in their spirit, they would get stronger. God. So my concluding statement today, Christ is our rock. He's our stability. This is what she just sang. He's our fortress, our safe place. He's our deliverer. He frees us. He's our shield. He covers us. He's our horn, our strength, our high tower. What can that mean? He raises us above the circumstances, they shall run and not be weary, right? They shall mount up with wings as eagles. He's our high tower. He's our refuge. You know what I saw when I, when I read that? He's our refuge. He's our hug. He's our embrace. 
I, you know, I don't know about you folks, but when I, get, when I was in trouble, I wanted to find my mama. You know, I, when I went through heart surgery, I said, I just wish my mama was here. Because she was a refuge. And she would embrace me and I could be as bad as I wanted and she still loved me. God is like that. He loves us no matter the circumstances. He's our sheltering arms. He's our Savior. What does that mean to you? He's our forgiver. Old things are passed away. Amen? Everything has become new. I don't know about you, but I want those old things to pass away. And I want to be a new creature in Christ. He saves us from the works of darkness. He saves us from violence. He saves us from the works of darkness. This is the songs of David. They will encourage your heart if you will read them and embrace them and hum along with them and put a tune to them and expand, prime your pump, that you might have a song that will deliver you in the day that the enemy harasses you. Let us just bow our heads. Father, we need your song. Stir our hearts today with your presence that causes a song to come within us.